Welcome along to episode three of the Irish F1 show. Hard to believe we've completed the hat-trick of episodes already and what a big week it's been. As we speak at the time of recording, we are still in the top 75 on the Apple podcast charts in the sports category. Also in the last week, we were just outside the top 100 in the overall category on Spotify. So thanks to you, the listeners, for making that happen. Uh, Five-star ratings on Apple and Spotify, very much appreciated. Our understanding is not that we're algorithm experts or anything, but that they definitely do help. So anyone who has hit the five stars, thanks for doing so. Anyone who hasn't, hit the finger out, lads, please. <laughs> Delighted to be joined once again by Richard Carney. First of all, how are you doing, Richie? All right, Kev. How are we keeping? Ah, flying it now. Another great race weekend. And I'm also joined by, I'm told, uh, you know, he is the best driver in the country after Richard Carney, Mr. Barry Rabbit, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, how you doing, Kev? How are you, Richie? That's uh, you might have, maybe Richie told you that by any chance. Uh, I wouldn't like I wouldn't like to hang him out to dry, but um it may or may not have been. All good lads, all good. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, I, I listened into the first couple and it was uh, it's great stuff and enjoyed it. So I was delighted to get the invite. Thank you. Yeah, look, we're, we're delighted to have you on. So uh, you've been pretty successful yourself, in fairness, when it comes to circuit racing. Uh, give us a little flavour of what you've won there, just to give the listeners an idea of uh, who Mr. Rabbit is. Uh, not, not that they might know already, I'm sure they have a fair idea. If you do if you do it long enough, you'll win a bit here and there, I suppose. It's a numbers game. But yeah, no, I don't know why. My uncle did it, got, um, got involved around the same time as Richie did, and we've been good mates since. Um, so we'll, yeah, kind of. Did a bit of Uno's and stuff to start with, won the championship there. Uh, then went off and did a lot of saloon stuff for a long time, kind of Fiat's, one makes. Um, get into the touring cars, well, Punto of Arts, with a success in them. That, they, were, they were mad times altogether. The Fiat Nam, they called it, you know, it was just pure carnage. And um, did a bit of that then, I suppose, kind of, I was lucky enough then to kind of drive for uh, a couple of teams then. So, they, you know, they prepped the cars and I just did the, the fun bit, um, that that was good. Did that for a while. Uh, touring cars, um, it's a bit of strikers. Done most classes now at this stage in Mondello. And I, a few years back there, I kind of had a go at single seaters with the Formula Shanes and Formula Ford and stuff. And we'd uh, we'd uh, what do we have? We won the Lancer Trophy in thirteen, um, and then again there a couple of years ago in nineteen. So they're probably the two big ones and a few other bits along the way. So yeah, got a good out crack at it. Yourself and Richie are like uh, Leclerc and Max then at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've, 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 uh, geez, we probably have hit each other more though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just when you when when you spoke about the Abartes, I was like, oh shit! I, re- I remember stoving him off in the last corner for a podium position. Yeah. yeah. So look. It's I, I haven't forgot Richie. Don't worry, I'll get you. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, when, when you say hit though, it's not in a in a what do you call it uh, a cool tire Schumacher scenario or anything like that. Literally on the track. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. I, I know my limits. Richie, yeah, Richie, yeah. No, I'll tell you one thing. It's funny about because I often felt like Hitler was playing football alongside him and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're, it's probably a bit easier to do it that way, all right, yeah. But the helmets, to hurt the knuckles, I believe, so we just try and avoid it. Yeah, yeah. That's the Jaiser. That's the Jaiser. So look, an awful bad picture of me there. That's the time. We wouldn't do such a thing. We wouldn't do such a thing. Hey, so no, great, let's, let's jump into this then, the nitty-gritty, right? So again, we thought, you know, after Bahrain, how were we going to kind of top it in terms of drama and stuff? But 
there was a lot of drama. Uh, unfortunately, some of it, nothing to do with what was happening on the track, but we had an awful lot going on over the, the course of the weekend. Uh, missile strike very close on Saturday. A uh, big conversation about whether the race should have went ahead or not. A uh, big discussion in general before any cars even arrived to see or you know to talk about whether it should have went ahead or not. People were saying, is there a double standard with the treatment of Russia? People were saying then, well, how do you compare that then and have Saudi in one category and then not talk about Qatar or talk about the US? We could go political all day long if you wanted it. But as we said previously, it isn't the Irish political podcast, nor should it be. So we would hope to just maybe stick to what is happening on the racetrack. But with, with the missile thing, because it was very much at the track, we do kind of have to talk about it a little bit and we can't ignore it. So there was a very deep discussion for a number of hours among the drivers, and then another deep discussion among the team principals. In the end, the race went ahead. Um, would it be fair to say that a little bit of politics might have been at play here, lads? I'll let you look after this one, Barry. Oh, thanks, Richie. <laughs> You're a pal. Um, yeah, look, there's always politics. Just, you know, as I always say, if you, if, if you go and play any form of sport down in your local village, there'll be politics. So I don't think it's a surprise when you get it at one of the top sports in the world, never mind, you know, anywhere else. So it shouldn't be a surprise that there's politics involved. It's everywhere. It's throughout the world at every level from grassroots right the way up in any sport. So yeah, not, not, not a surprise. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a tricky situation. It's not one that they have. A, I'm sure it's not one that they have a kind of a plan for. I can't imagine it being in their contingency plans anywhere along the line. So um, they're they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. I think is probably the best way of summing it up. Um, some would say if they left, uh, well then the 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 you know the, the terrorists or whatever you want to call them is you know have 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 won in that sense because they've 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 created a, an impact in that sense if they stay around they're seen as you know not caring or whatever you want to call it so i really think there's no winner in it no matter what way you dice it um and they're there the thing about it is if, you know a lot i've seen a lot of people calling for people just to leave immediately and that's well and good if you're an f1 driver and you can jump onto your private jet and with your team manager and and and, and you know get out of town but the reality of it is is that f1 is there's I don't know, there has to be thousands of people at the track as part of it, never mind the tons of equipment and the cars and all the rest of it. That stuff doesn't, you know, just, just disappear at the click of a finger. So the difference between staying and doing the race and leaving is probably a matter of hours, really, in the scheme of things. So, you know, that might be a little bit too pragmatic for some ears, um, you know, who, uh, you know, the emotion can get involved in. But, you know, I really think they couldn't win one way or the other. So not too surprised to see it going ahead. Yeah, I think the big interest would have been, you know, obviously there was concerns among the drivers and what the line of conversation was in changing their mind, apart from what we were told publicly, which was safety was guaranteed. And I'm sure it was. I'm not doubting that for a second. I would just wonder, was that the only factor? But anyway, that's uh, <clears throat> that's something that we'll, we'll ponder about for a bit of time. Um, yep. So then uh, qualifying wise, um, your name, your name, say Richie. Nick Schumacher, I mean, in my opinion, guys, if that crash happens 20, 30 years ago, we could be talking about a very sad story. Oh, without, without Kev, without, without, you know, that was a big one. I think 130, 140 mile an hour impact, 34 Gs, I think. Um, even in a, in a 90s F1 car, that's, that's, uh, that's a real sad story. 
Yeah. Was- yeah. The big, the, the big thing difference, I think, that, that we we have now that would have made a massive difference in an impact like that side on at the concrete is the is the head restraints uh, um, alongside the drivers. The hands and, kit. And, uh, well, the hands kit to to, to an yeah. extent, but even just the actual the the, molding, the, the body the work and molding. That okay. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the big one, you know. I mean, I I actually I I sat in the '90s F1 car there not that long ago, and, and coming even from my own Formula Renault, which is obviously much newer but a much lower classic car by a long way. I remember getting into the it was a Jordan, got into the Jordan and sat down into it and being, you know, it's only parked like it was only sitting there and being really shocked at how exposed I felt just sitting in it, you know. And you're, I felt like I wasn't fully in the car. Is the best way of explaining it. Um, because that was, uh, Kevin, just just to let the listeners know, on that was Ruben Barrichello's Jordan F1 car that Barry was in. Yeah, one nine four or one nine five, something like that. Mid nineties F1 car on the Barclay kind of Sazal ones. But the, the point was, you got. I remember getting into it and thinking, "There's no way to get into this further. I'm not. And I'm not a big lad like by a long way." And I was down in the car, and my whole head and shoulders exposed. And even getting out of my little Formula Renault, that felt so foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing to see, think how it came on. So yeah, with mixed crash. If if he did if you know that's that was quite similar to probably Hackenden's in Australia back in when would have been ninety three or something like yeah, that, that was in, the, in the McLaren that 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 he ended up knocking him out and he needed a track out to me on the side of the road outside the track but the big difference is though that the the car was built around him to absorb it but yeah. monster shunts not to be not to be just because they walk away from it doesn't mean the shunt is smaller you know it just oh, it just means it. the car is better and the, the presence of mind in that moment to actually take your hands off the wheel that's what I was amazed with. First rule, first rule as a single seat racer when you see it coming. Yeah, I have but, the thumbs to prove it as a rookie. Like it, um, well, doesn't a lot of people, a lot of them, like if you look at the, the in cars of, of crashes down through the years in F1, some some do forget, it seems. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's not even it, it's not even forgetting it's like as a driver, you're you're always going to try to save it to the very last millisecond, like it's just. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Barry, I tell you as well. It's sort of like just it's in us. You just you're you're always going to try keep it and save it. But like presence of mind to take his hands off. Fair play. Yeah, yeah. No, as Richie said, like when you're when you're, it doesn't look it, especially with modern F1 cars. But the best way of describing a fast lap in any race car is you're basically crashing permanently, but just just staying this side of it. So you know you're in that mode and you're trying to just you know keep it if you don't you know if you don't feel like you're going to crash you're probably not going to pick it up and so you're all the time trying to hang on to it right till the last second and yeah it's probably just a judgment thing if some lads hold on to that wheel that last bit too long and then spins it around and the thumbs get broke but no in mixed case he he, he did the right thing he got the hands off the wheel and just just you know r- r- rode the train basically down the wall like and made, made, and made sure he was all right we got out the other side of it but a massive shunt and Twice now, that's t- that's twice now and two visits to Jeddah that he's he's had a fairly significant crash. So I'm sure that will play in his mind too. Yeah, I just just put on that Barry, right? Because he had that smash last year, it wasn't near as bad as this year. Like, is mm. um, do you think it might have been playing on his mind this year, as in last year, shunt? Or now I know he was on a really good one, and mm. I think. Looking, looking at his onboard and looking from the outside in, I like he he set that accident up two corners before he actually crashed. Yeah, um, noticed that. Yeah, uh, did know a little bit of understeer, ran wide, compromised, and and absolutely compromised him into that corner. But 
he wasn't going to lift. Like, I mean, should he should he have backed out, Barry? Should he have backed out, aborted, and tried again? Or well, yeah, it's, yeah. Now sitting here, you know, when him with a, a half split in two, that's obviously the right what he should have done. And as you say, Rich, he got a little snap of oversteer, which 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 meant to put him probably a half a car width off to the left of where he wanted to be, which put him offline into the next corner. So, like, exactly, you're right. It just kind of it just kind of snowballed a bit. And and he tried to he tried to get away with it. And to answer your question, it, was it in his mind that it was Jeddah? I wouldn't think so. If I was to put money on it, I'd say it was uh, certain Kevin Magnuson was in his mind more than anything else. Yeah, and I'd say that's what probably that's what probably led to it more than anything else because um, he's getting pushed a lot harder than he ever had. Certainly in the with with uh, Mazepin previously and possibly in his junior career. And I'd say that was probably more in the forefront of his mind than anything else, knowing that he had a. You know, he had to beat the car on the other side of the garage and he probably, against his own better judgment, decided to try and, you know, ride it out and get hopefully get away with it. But he didn't. The, the, <laughs> curb, the curb heights, possibly a factor too, lads, in a word. Yeah. Sure, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, the, the curb heights, know. but more, more, more likely the ride heights of the cars is probably the thing. Yeah. Curb no, height probably hasn't changed, effect. but the car rides lower. Yeah. yeah. They haven't changed, why are they too high anyway? So, I mean, I, I don't think so. I say it's just a number of factors. You've got to bear in mind, the cars are riding a lot lower than they used to with the, in the high rate year of the last couple of years. Um, the, the different tyre compound, the tyre size now, and obviously a compound, but different tyre size, that's not going to absorb as much. Um, so, no, look, you got to drive the track that's in front of you at the end of the day. Everyone else managed to get around it for, you know, yeah. how many other te- hundreds of laps combined. Like, he just, yeah, you know, he pushed hard. He made a mistake. He had a crash. Thankfully, he walked away from it. Mm. You know, that's kind of the way it should be, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Like, listen, I've often had this discussion with Barry. Like, you know, just two guys talking and, and I actually hate the modern F or the modern day F1 tracks because they're just way too forgiving. Now, and I don't mm-hmm. mean people should be killed or should be crashing every weekend, but like, you know, you think of the Circuit of Americas and the, the, the one in France there. And like, I mean, Paul Ricard. Paul Ricard, the fear factor is not there. Like, you know, it's, it's you can afford to make the mistake and get away with it. Mm. Whereas the lights of that circuit, like, I know I, I've heard guys giving up about the curb heights being too high, and this, but like, no. They're not too high. You have to deal with it. Like you, you, you have to drive around these things. It's you know, it's yep. you know. Okay. I just I I believe you know a circuit. If if you run off the circuit, you should be punished. As in, let it be grass, gravel. You know, that's just my take on it. The reality of it probably is is that you know make Schumacher and you can apply this to any of them, especially the younger drivers. They've 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 grown up with the. Sure, look, if I get the line slightly wrong and I run wide, you know, I'll just get my lap aborted kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah. Or not aborted, but de- de- uh, deleted, more to the point. And there's probably, that's probably built into them a little bit now, but that doesn't work at Jeddah. So, like, yeah, a guy, a, a, an older school guy, a guy from a few years ago, who knows that, you know, Jesus, I'm offline here, I really should do a little lift to kind of get back on online or to hold that pull back few mile an hour back. You know, because he probably had a shunt the primary, the last time that he didn't do it. The last X amount of times that Mick Schumacher or anyone else of that era kind of got a little bit offline, they just dropped the wheel over, you know, oh, I went over an imaginary white line, basically, and nothing happened. So they're, 
it's kind of muscle memory probably as much as anything else. You know, it's like they don't, they're not programmed to just abort the lap because normally there's no, there's no downside to it. Whereas at Jeddah there is. So it's a, you know, I think that's probably driving it more so than anything else. It's just, that's what they're used to. And they just kind of forget that they're at a track with big heavy walls around them. Mm. Right. And I well, think, I think that, that that big heavy wall is one of the reasons, you know, that he's not so hurt or sore or, you know, it, it, you glance off it, you know, if that was a tire wall, he was in much bigger trouble because he would have, yeah, saw, uh, he would have absorbed a lot more G's in a tire wall. Yeah, you know, yeah. Ironically, yeah, he could. He might have just stopped as a, and 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 yeah, it might have been a bigger G impact, but it's a big one one way or the other. But yeah, there's yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, so, is he got out. That's it. That is the most important thing, of course. Other takeaways from Quali lads. Uh, before we go to the obvious one about Checo going on pole and uh, Hamilton gone like so early in qualifying. Yeah, that, well, we, we, we know Richie's a big Hamilton fan, we know that. So, but um, I, I'm, I'm one of, I, I'm actually really, nobody believes that I think it is anymore, but I'm fairly neutral. I don't really care about any of them in that sense. Like, you know, I like, I just want to watch the racing. And and I think Hamilton just, they, they, what's the word they put out that they went down a bit of a cul de sac in qualifying and they, you know, it, it's, it didn't work for them. And I'll be honest, I've nothing to back this up, but my own, my own just kind of thoughts. I don't believe them. I think Hamilton was just just having a bad day. Um, I think the proof of that is you see the onboard, he just wasn't comfortable in the car, he just wasn't committing. Um, and more to the point, I thought the fact that they didn't start him from the pit lane on Sunday was very telling. Because if you're in a car that is an evil handling car, as they put it about, you're starting 16th anyway. You're at a track that is most likely going to be a safety car. Um, you're gonna, you know, why? And what, would you rather start 16th and attract, or would you rather start from the pit lane, avoid all the first corner potential hazards, and and be in the position to change the setup by breaking park Fermi rules? Um, I think that was telling. I think they probably didn't change anything on the car between Saturday and Sunday. Um, to change, well, they didn't. They couldn't, obviously. Um, but I think they probably didn't want to anyway. Um, otherwise, they'd have given them a much better car and told them to start from the pit lane, which is a very minor inconvenience at a track like Jeddah. So I think he just had an off, an off day, maybe an off weekend. And you know what? That happens. That's all right. Like, but it's, it's, it's maybe just harder for some to stomach than others. But it's possible. I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head because, like, I mean, as regards setup change, what, what could they have done really? Like, they can't, they're, they're very limited as to what they can do with their cars after qualifying. Um, and Barry, Barry spot on there. Like, I mean, if they thought they had a fighting chance, they'd break park for my rules, change it right up and let them off from the pit lane and see if that worked. Like, so, like, yeah. totally, totally agree with Barry. They never touched. Yeah, I think, I think he was just on and off again for every reason. And you know what? That's fine. That's not a problem. So, but it was a bit of a shock nonetheless to see him out at Q1 no matter no matter what the reasons oh man Hamilton in P16 like sure Jesus I don't think were the same once before it happened or something yeah yeah and it was probably mitigating circumstances I don't know when it was but it probably was you know it probably was something yeah. out of the well, ordinary but I, I don't think anyone of his is Checo Perez uh, going on pole like in fairness no that was some lap to be fair from Checo that was 
Yeah, I mean, it looked like the Ferraris had it, and then you know he he's not renowned for he's more of a a Sunday in mm. you know performer rather than the Saturday, and it was a mega lap. There's no doubt about it. It was it was well deserved pole, and um you know he'd gone a long time. That was his first pole after what was it 218 races yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so eleven, mad stuff. 11 seasons or eleven years is his first pole. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. So he broke that duck. It's not. It's 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 not a great record to have, I suppose, but it's better than than no pole at all. Like so. Hey, it was, you know what? Uh, for I think Barry, for for what he actually did for Max last year in that last race in terms of holding Hamilton up, he nearly would deserve it for that alone. Like he was just <laughs> yeah, yeah. exemplary as a teammate. Like you know. So yeah, nice yeah. No, look, he did, at the end of the day, he he put it on the line. He did it. He you know he did what Max couldn't do at the on that in that moment in time, and he did what. The Ferraris couldn't do so. Hats off to him. You can't take it. You can't take anything so, from it. It probably segues us nicely into race day because <laughs> he just had an unbelievable stroke of misfortune. But he also was it just misfortune? Was it, did they fall? Did Red Bull fall for a little bit of psychological warfare with with the pit stop? Um, and you know maybe you just explain what happened then afterwards. Oh, they did. They did. They fell for hook, line, and sinker. They got the Italian job. Ex- excuse the pun, but <laughs> yeah. Like watching the race, I was sort of like, why, why are they bringing, why are they going to bring Leclerc in at this stage? His pace was good, everything seemed good, and then the penny dropped. Um, Ferrari put guys in the pit lane, and Perez pitted Leclerc stay gone. And to be fair, and how unlucky can you be? Safety car next lap, like, yeah. I say, sorry, I, 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 I think they were still going to pit Leclerc. I think what they decided was, let's we need we're not going to get by him on the track, so the only time we're going to do it is in the pit stop. So let's trigger that, and I think as the play as the car in second, um, they have an advantage. Because they only have to do what the lead car doesn't do. Yes. You know, so so I would imagine if if um, Perez hadn't a pitted, Leclerc would have. I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, right. At that stage, so so I'm not. I, I I I think I don't know whether it was a. I don't think it was a dummy. I think they made it very aware that they were going to do a pit stop to try and trigger Perez. I mean, they made it too aware, obviously. Like the lad, they, they, if they were trying to do it quietly, they wouldn't say it over the radio like the way they did, but. But but I think they I think they it was one of those of do whatever the car in front doesn't do. If he comes in, you stay out. If you if he says out, you come in. And it just felt the cards fell right for them. Because I sort of I the way I sort of looked at it, and and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it too. Is that like yeah, if if he comes in, you stay out. If he stays out, you come in. But did would you think they had the undercut in mind? that Leclerc was just going to turn in a magnificent lap and try to catch him with an undercut. If Leclerc had pitted first, you mean? No, with forcing um, Perez and Red Bull to pit with what I'm calling a dummy pit stop, whether it was mm. or it wasn't. Um, I, I, I sort of think Ferrari might have been going for the undercut there. They might have... Do you think they might have... Like Leclerc would have put in a serious lap and paid the next lap to create the, the undercut and lead the race. Do you think that might think have been what, a factor? I think that's what they were ultimately, I suppose, I think what happened 
is probably exactly what they wanted to happen. But as a backup, if it hadn't have fell in the way they wanted to, as a backup, that was the plan to just get a couple of laps in clear air and try yeah. and you know, I mean, there had nothing to lose at that stage. It was, it was basically what from what Claire was saying, he was going, I can't pass him on track. They've got too 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 high a, a, a top speed, as we've seen later in the race with with, with yes. Max and the Claire again. You know, it's worth a shot. And it was worth a shot because between, you know, obviously they did it and they but they also had a had, had a stroke of luck. And but it could have fallen just so we, if if Perez had decided to stay out, I'm fully sure Leclerc was going to come in. And if Leclerc had come in and the pit stop or the, the you know the safety car that, that eventually came out, like Leclerc would have been fourth or maybe even well no, he'd been fourth, I think. So look, it was luck. Good luck on yeah, Ferrari. Yeah. You know, it was good. It was luck and it was a bit of strategy, but it literally, it couldn't have worked out any better for them. No, absolutely not. So up to that point, before we go to the exciting finale, lads, uh, there was an unbelievable toast between the two Alpines, obviously Ocon and Alonso, which Otmar was quite happy to let play out. And it was great. Um, you heard the guys on, on Sky say that, what advertising that was for BWD, because they, the cameras were panned onto him for, Oh, geez, it was a good few laps anyway. Um, and at one particular point, actually, there was about half a second between, I think it was between Perez and Leclerc, or was it between Leclerc and Max, actually? I was thinking, are they going to actually cross back over here? Because they're going to be within an overtaking opportunity here shortly. But you still couldn't take your eyes off the, the two Alpines. So what, what do you think of the whole ploy of letting them actually race? Were you in favour of it? Obviously, it was great as a spectacle. But from a team point of view, was it the right thing? And did it backfire? With Bottas then coming so close, um, I think um, from a spectator point of view, absolutely let them rest. Brilliant, great to watch. Brilliant wheel to wheel action, really close, um, without making contact. Um, from a team point of view, absolutely not. I mean, all they done was just slow themselves up so much and allowed Bottas into the fight and. It actually came back to bite him later in the race because Bottas over, overtook Ocon as a result of that fight and finished ahead of him. Like you know, it's, it's, it's another position of championship points lost because of that. Um, but you have to hand it to the wily old fox Fernando. He always <laughs> used to come out on top. But I have a bit of a con- contrary point to that. So the question is: Was it good for the team? Was it good for the team in that moment in time for that race? No, as for reasons Richie pointed out. But take the alternative where they told one of them not to pass the other. That would have caused ructions with the person they told not to pass. Mm-hmm. And that could have had longer implications over the course of the season. Because imagine now they turned around and said, Ocon, you're not allowed to pass Alonso. That creates a much bigger problem than the 10 laps of Dyson does because now Ocon feels I'm a number two driver. I'm not allowed to do this. Da, 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 da. So that's part of the team, uh, I suppose, question, the good for the team question, just as much as, you know, did Bottas catch him or not, which is undeniable. He did. But they could have had a much longer problem by forcing rules early. Yeah. It's okay to do it after a while, which they did. But to do it early, I think would have, you know, would have looked like favorite and favorite favoritism rather yeah. to one of the drivers, no matter who it was. And I think that 
from a team morale point of view, would have been a bad move. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe there was a bit of that in the back of their mind. Because just on the face of it, yeah, you should never race your teammate that hard. Um, but that might be a little bit short-sighted, you know, if you're going to piss off one of your team, if you only piss off one of your drivers by telling them to sit behind. So yeah. maybe there's a bit of that at play too. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fair I point. Agree. Good point, actually. Agree. Yeah, very good point. Um, because, like, yeah, as you say, you're two races in, like, you're thinking for the rest of the year, you're actually making a call, which probably does have the whole season-long implication of getting into, like, I would hazard a guess that if push came to shove, and actually I'll ask you the question, if push came to shove, um, and this was just, say, a few months down the road, and Ernie even Keel, who is the number one driver at Alpine? Is it still Alonso because of what he's won? Or is it Ocon when you see what he is actually capable of? I mean, that's probably a personality question more so than a driver question because I, I, I'll answer it a slightly different way. If they told Alonso not to pass Ocon, do you think he'd listen to them? <laughs> no. So what's the point yeah. in even asking, you know? Um, and then for the same reason, if they told Ocon, they could probably get away with asking Alonso more than they could Ocon because the, the, a lot of people would default Alonso into the number one position just based on his history. Um, so they could probably ironically get away with asking him more so than asking Ocon but if they asked Ocon I think it would have been very indicative of what they were thinking so I think they were dead right to let them race it mightn't have been the best for those few laps but I think from Team Harmony point of view on a longer term they were right Um, but look the fast the the number one guy is the fastest guy that's it you know everything else goes out the window Mm. after that straightforward that's the day as I say, Kevin, on the first podcast we ever done, the first person you beat is your teammate. Like that's first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but Barry makes a very valid point there. Like I mean, yeah, Alonso with his with his experience and things. It, yeah, they probably get away with asking him to let Ocon through, but Ocon being the future, like as Barry said, you know, how would that affect his head? By asking him that early in play to sit back, like so. Yeah, no, I, think I, I just I didn't envy being the team boss that day. No, I was. No, no, of course, of course, you wouldn't. In fairness, like lads. Next point: uh, seeing K Mag and and Hamilton tussling. I think something we never thought we'd say probably on the Irish F1 show at any stage, not just this season. A Haas and a Mercedes going toe to toe. Well, this the the. The statement for me, or the interview for me, of the weekend was Hamilton after the race. Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes saying that a Haas blast by him on the straight. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's unheard of. PlayStation or something, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you think about it for. Again, it fairly sums, sums it up, all right. Yeah. And here, what do we think of Hamilton at the end? I know I'm kind of going off schedule, but what do you think of Hamilton at the end asking, does he get a point for 10th? Anyone in the world believe him? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, he doesn't get a point for. Sorry, I have to say it. What was the story with the shorts? Oh, my God. That's <laughs> fair, fair play to him. Like, you know, he's confident and he, he, he you know, wherever he's in, he's in the but I wouldn't be giving any points for them, anyway. Um, I, I missed him. I'll have to go back. That's I couldn't imagine the highlight of Kev's weekend. I, couldn't imagine Richard Carney wearing a pair of them though, somehow or another. But anyway, look, we won't tell you. You can rock them shorts when you're winning Grand Prix, not when yes. you're fucking finishing tent. 
Yeah, yeah. In fairness, he's... Uh, do you know what? He's, he's, he is very... On a serious note, he's so comfortable in his own skin. Do you know what I mean? That he just doesn't care anyway. Well, I mean, we were seven, seven-time champ. Yeah, he's just like, whatever. You know, I think... Like, if you look at it, it's very interesting. And I didn't really intend to go into this point. But Angela Cullen, like, his, his coach, she is... Very, very rarely out of his sight. You know? No, but he needs someone to carry his stuff. That's why I call her yeah. the mule. Oh, all right. Time, every time you every time you see, you see all you know the photos when he arrives and I like I'm not it's gonna sound like Hamilton Bash and I think he's phenomenal, you know, and I you know there's good points and bad points to all of them. I don't, I'm not mates with any of them. I don't really care who wins, like you know, but you know, and I don't get that emotionally involved in you know any of this, but there's something funny there because every time he arrives at a track, they obviously photograph him because he's wearing the, you know, it's a bit of a fashion show. Grant, whatever you want, not interested. But he just walk in with his phone in his hand and poor Angela be about four steps behind him, carrying his weekend's helmets, race gear, <laughs> his scooter, half a dog, you know, and like coming up. To, and I don't know, lads, maybe it's just an Irish upbringing or whatever. I'm a bit older than that. But, you know, you're walking up the road with a, a girl or a woman. You carry the bags. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You carry the bags. And, you get, and, and or at least some of them or one of them, for God's sake. Carry... Something I don't know. Hey, your dog's collar or black eyes now. That's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's not how I was brought up. I put it that way, and no, I just don't. I can't understand how he no. does it. Racing, racing. Even if he doesn't want it, he should know how bad it looks and do it for the wrong reasons. Never mind, do it for the right reasons. Just do it so he doesn't look like it. Whatever, but like. Jesus, I, I see it every weekend. That's the, and it, poor Angela behind. Her. Like I know she's a fitness oh, junkie and she's well able for her, but Christ. she's dragging her. She's dragging her heels way down with bags and like you yeah. think you'd at least have the decency to get her a golf cart or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> Put a rucksack on your back. Am I just? I don't. I I I think it's very telling that someone is happily happy enough to be photographed walking three steps ahead of. A woman of any, and I don't, maybe that's sexist, I don't know, but walk with a woman carrying all his shit behind him and he's yeah. happy enough to get photographed. That tells its own little story to me. I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. But well, could you make an argument? Barry, let's go into the, the, the actual psyche of it then. Is that what he feels he needs to actually do? To, like, is he that weak mentally? Is he weak mentally? Is what I'm asking. Like, that, I, I, look, this is a bit ridiculous now because I'm not comparing it to actually carrying the stuff, but in a general sense, she's never out of his sight. So it's like as if this happened This happened one day, so it has to happen every day or I won't perform. For me, I don't know. Is it some bit of fragility? I don't know. I'd say there is a bit of fragility there. I don't know if that's indicative of it or not, but there's definitely a bit of fragility yeah, not, there. Not I'd that say. in particular. That's a bit of a ridiculous No, thing. no, I know. But I, think might be half, but, like, I didn't intend that either, but you know, in a general sense, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I think there probably is. And look, I understand why they need PAs and all the rest and physios and all that goes with it. And that's fine. You know, if it, at the end of the day, you know, if it adds a tenth of a second or a hundred of a second to the lap time, well, then they're worth it, you know, and, and no one's going to argue that they aren't. I've no issue with any of that or somebody handing them a drink when they get out of the car. I just, it's it just, if you were going, if you good. were down in your, if you were in your local village and you seen a man walking up the road with his wife or partner or assistant, whatever you want to behind them, traipsing along, dragging 30 kilos of stuff over, you just look at them and go, that's, you'd say something else, but you'd at least go, that's not right. Hmm. And 
I see it every every race. He arrives at the track and he does the same thing. So he either th- a thinks it's okay, which in my world it's not, or b he isn't even realised that it's not okay and do it while the cameras are then hand it all back to her afterwards. It just I couldn't do it. I really, really couldn't do it. So I, I just it is, it is unnatural, isn't it? It is unnatural, like to look yeah, at. It doesn't sit right. It is, like it just like to reiterate what Barry saying, like, like Jesus Christ, if you're seeing a woman in the street. Struggling to carry a few bags. Yeah. The first thing you help her even if you didn't know her. Yeah. Even if you didn't know her, they never mind it's your own bag. I'm going to cut across there and end this point on this, right? Because the cold drought is going to be on here at some stage. So that question is going to be put to her. Because I think it would be interesting just to see from a female's point of view as well how it sits with her. You know what I mean? Look, take the male and female thing out. But if me and Richie arrived in Mandela when I had a load of bags to carry and he, you know, I take one off and put one on my shoulder, even if it was, forget about the man and the woman and the yeah. sexist and the thing. I would. I, I like, and I it's nothing to do with Angela being female or anything else. That maybe just adds a little yeah. level to it. But it's, to, you know, any lads walking the road and someone else is traipsing up behind them, man, woman, or child, there's something funny with that. It just doesn't sit right with me, you know? But, it, it, and I don't know, I might be making a thing out of nothing, probably am, but. You know, it's 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 one thing that every time everybody say, "Oh, look at him wearing this," and I don't care what he's wearing. Leave him at it, and his, you know, whatever he's wearing. But always look in the background, and there she is, you know, with the, you know, the mule, as I said. The thing I I like. Does any other driver enter the circuit with a person behind him dragging thirty kilos of luggage? Do Do you see that with any other driver? No, we don't see it, but maybe it's because they're arriving in just a team shirt and a pair of jeans and nobody's taking photos of them. But I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's, I've never seen It's that. a little thing. It's a bit of a soapbox there, but you're looking. Yeah, that's the... That's the it's, it's, so we, it's, actually, we need these kind of conversations on it as well. Um, so moving on then, lads. Uh, I suppose the tussle between Leclerc and, and Max has to be talked about. And for me in particular, it's gas, right? On the, the Sky Sports F1 coverage, it seems like this uh, deliberate ploy of letting the lab pass to actually get him back into the RS zone has only existed since Bahrain. Lads, this, this has been going on since God was a young fella. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a bit more obvious these days, maybe. And especially yeah. at Jeddah, with the, the way the, the DRS line into the last corner is so late. But yeah, they didn't all just decide to do it, you know, the last day or two, like you say. It's, 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 it's not a new thing. And it's pretty obvious how to do it, you know. It's... You know, you can you can you, you can go collect. You, you're better off sometimes being second to be, you know, until you only need to lead the last bit of the lap on the last lap. Ultimately, so it doesn't matter where you are before then, and that's all they're doing. And I don't know why it's such a surprise, to be honest. Mm. It was some tussle, Richie, wasn't it? Ah, listen, it was a mega tussle, and just touching on the your point there, like Jesus Christ, that's been going on for ages. Like, I mean. It, you could clearly see them in Jeddah lifting off before the DRS detection's on to try to avoid it. Like, and but anyway, listen, I don't know. Uh, Jensen Button touched on it in in the aftermath of the race, and he was sort of saying, "Listen, DRS is good, good for the sport," uh, which I totally agree with. But we need to look at changing. I don't know how or what you would do or what you wouldn't do. To stop this deliberate um, slowing down before the detection's on for DRS, you know, to, to hinder the guy behind you. But as Barry said, in an F1 race, 
I think I'd rather be second and to be within a second of the guy in front of me coming on to the last lap. You know, you're 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 nearly in a better position. Like. But that's not. I mean, we we we've all read, like even at our level at the club end of stuff. Like you know, the lad, like maybe not Mandelo because of the nature of the circuit, but for sure, if you go to Kirkistown or some of the tracks in the UK, you do not want to be leading going on to the last lap. No. If no, you have, you know, and, and if you have a couple of lads behind you, it's totally, you know, so it, it, you know, it's not a new phenomenon. The only thing that's happening in with F1 is DRS kind of, I suppose, does it amplify it or is it, is the DRS and F1 just the equivalent of a toe or a strong toe in kind of lower category racing because of the aero involved? So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit, it's a little bit fake, but it's by no means unique to F1 to, you know, to say no, you know what? I'll actually let, let you, you know, lead into the la- lead the last lap, and I'll get you. I mean, anyone that's done a bit of sim racing even will have, will have come across that at various tracks, you know, um, and various cars, and some make it more than the other. So, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's that 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 big a deal one way or the other. I think it's a little bit more obvious when you've got lads trying to slow down more than each other and um, hit the line. But you know, it's a bit of entertainment. It's no harm. It's not really that false. Um, um, what it does do is is kind of throw a light back on Jeddah last year with Max and, and Lewis, um, yeah. you know, Lewis going into the back of him and then yeah. and then claiming that he didn't know why he slowed down and well, like you did, you know why exactly why he slowed he knew down. Well, why he slowed yeah. down? Yeah, it's just a bit more obvious I, this 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 year. Like I, I've actually had a bit of a theory on the DRS, right? And I'm just going to put this out here. I don't know. You might think I'm mad. You might. We think that anyway. Me, but... <laughs> well, maybe so, maybe so. confirm it. I think the DRS should only be given to cars outside the top 10. Right. Uh, In oh, a right. race situation. In a race situation, if you're outside the top 10, you will get DRS. If you're inside the top 10, you don't. I think it would bring the slower cars. In a race, it would bring the slower cars closer to the to the midfield and front guys. And they should get DRS all the time or DRS? No, no, the very the very minute the very minute you get inside the top ten you lose your DRS. It's up to you to race from there. But if you're saying twelfth, if you're twelfth and you're not actually within a second of someone you're just on your own in twelfth. No, well then you don't get no 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 in normal normal as yeah. it is, but the only the done the second ten. Sure, you could try it. Should they try sprint racing and see how he got on? Like, should we give it a go? Send him a letter. Yeah, we'll write. We'll write to them. We'll write to them. Yeah, uh, do you know I what's funny? See, I can see the theory. I can see the theory. There's a, there's something to it. All right, yeah. It might it might just pull the back ten up onto the. Just you know, just, just get, get rid them of that up that little bit more. That there's mm. not like three minutes of a gap after ten laps. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I can see. I was just going to say, if the, if he writes off there about that, it'd be the second thing that someone from the Irish F1 show has wrote off about. Because I actually, on a serious note, have wrote off the hash to say get Gunter on this show. <laughs> <laughs> he, he will be tailor made for it. Uh, so, uh, in fairness, when I when I wrote off, I think the the Instagram pages and Twitter pages and all, and, and even the podcast had just been launched. So, I'd say now the hash team, if they even looked at it at all, would have thought to themselves. Um, I don't think so, lads. <laughs> so, or another, but, but uh, long term, long term, yeah, never know. 
Well, you got Richie Kearney, so... That's it, yeah. Sure, we got Barry Rabbit as well. <laughs> We're going to have the ball drought in a few weeks. Unless you wouldn't know where this show could go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So bringing it back to you, the toast. You wait and see. Kevin, you wait and see. The, the ratings will skyrocket that we've had Barry Rabbit on. <laughs> Jesus, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, look, I tell you one thing. There's a lot to live up to the Richie. We're in the top 75, as we said at the start of the episode. So let's see where we get the next week now. Uh, if we do, sure, we'll have to give Barry the credit anyway. Um, after that, <laughs> not first or last. That's it. <laughs> um, so just in terms of that toast before we move on from it, lads, was there anything that Lecar could have done differently or do you feel that he actually... I feel he gave it his all. Is there anything tactically he could have done slightly differently to uh, to get the win? No, I think he was probably hampered a little bit by the yellow flags at the end, which I know mm-hmm. caused a bit of controversy as well. And it definitely took a few opportunities away from him. Um, but no, look, he just didn't have the straight line space or pace rather of the of the Red Bull. And, you know, as I know from bitter experience, it's very hard to fa- pass a car that's faster than you on the straights. Like, oh, yeah. you, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I've I've been that soldier way too many times, like, and there's there's nothing you can do really. His best chance was to be close enough to have a go on the brakes because he would have had the extra downforce, mm-hmm. um, and in theory could break a bit later. But like in F one now, the braking distance are so ridiculously short that you know they're probably breaking eighty meters from two hundred mile an hour to a slow corner, and even if you can break five percent later, which is a lot, it's not even a car length. You know, so it's it, yeah, it'll it'll translate to lap time, but it won't translate to the ability to just you know pull out and sail by and hit the brakes a couple of meters later. Like it's not going to happen. Um, so I think he was in trouble one way or the other. Richie, I yeah, know I it think, was on our agenda, right? But I'm just conscious of time as well. We were going to talk about the four percent and, and the ground effect. I think we might just give it one more race and just see how much of an effect this is still having, and then we'll we'll maybe we'll delve into it. I know it's quite topical at the moment, but we probably should move on to our, uh, our predictions, which is a nice little segue because right. uh, okay. last week, I, I don't know now, my memory does be hazy at times, but I think someone on this podcast predicted Max Leclerc science. And I think, I don't think it was Richard Carney. I wouldn't want to brag now. me, a madman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was me, lads. It was me. I wasn't there on the show, but I'm going to take I over. Was Barry. Well. I was Barry. That's all I was. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it all along. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, Jesus, as I said previously on this last episode, I think it was no, uh, fair play, uh, Kev. Fair play, was, that was you. You throw, you throw no shit. I was some of the stick. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's 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 where we're at. But we obviously are not going to have an episode between now and Melbourne. Our next episode will be after that. So, um, yeah, we're this is really looking into a crystal ball because a lot can happen in two weeks, as we know. Um, but Barry Rabbit, I'll come to you first. So the way we've been doing this is we're just looking for the person that you know, we'll be on pole and then our top three on race day. So off you go. Right. Um, sorry, I haven't really thought about this. So you kind of hit me on the hop now a little bit. Um, look, I reckon the top three will be, there'll be two Ferraris and a, and a Red Bull. The only question is what the order is. Um, I reckon, I reckon it'll be Leclerc on pole. And I reckon the finishing order will be Leclerc Verstappen Science. That's my prediction for it. Leclerc Verstappen Science. Okay, there we go, Richie. That's the... Kevin, can you start writing these down? Because I'm fully convinced I predicted that last week. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, um, I, you went, you went Max for the win and Max on pole. 
as far as I can remember anyway. Yeah. Right. Melbourne Street Circuit, very quick. I'm going to go Max again on Paul. Uh, I'm going to go Max for the win. Perez second, Leclerc third. Interesting. Interesting. I it's think dark horse. I think the I think this is coming our science this time. I think he's due one. Uh, I'm going I'm going the clerk on Paul and then I'm going Science Max the Clerk. There we go. That's a bad day for Leclerc if that pans out. Yeah, it is. Bad a lot has to happen. Uh, we should we're probably being a bit unkind to Perez because he's he's shown very well, he's shown what he can do now. Uh if he was mm-hmm. to take Last very last thing. If he was to take a race win, does this become an interesting thing? W- will we ever see a case where there could be a, an even a conversation about these lads vying for a championship together? No, absolutely no. not. There we go. Yeah, had to ask the question. Had to ask the question. Max, Red Bull is Max, and Max is Red Bull, and everyone else is just there to 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 to, to support. And that's, that's it. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Perez knows that as well. He might pick up an odd win along the way, but Law will be Max. That's the way it's going. I don't, th- I don't think Red Bull were probably as disappointed as they made out that Perez had the rub, not the rub the green, the exact opposite of the rub the green, you know, a bit of bad luck. Um, because without that, Max wouldn't have won that race. Made the decision so, for him, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's, they were probably happy enough. Just before we go, and I'd like just Barry's quick opinion on this. Um, Perez's pole lap. Um, the Wiley Oil character that he is, he's, he got his tires to work a lot yeah. quicker, a lot sooner than Max. What well, do you put that down to, Barry? Well, we know Perez is a bit of a, a tire whisperer of yeah, sorts. Yeah, so, yeah, he is. He can definitely, you know. He seems to get a good... Now, obviously, they're a whole new tyre this year, but look, we've seen it in the past so many times that he's used, you know, he, he hit the one... Well, he, uh, the first race he won, I believe, he won it from the back of the grid by, you know, a bit of luck, obviously, um, but a lot of tyre management. And from what we've seen at the weekend, the, the prepping of the tyres for your qualifying lap was crucial. So I don't think that's a coincidence that he that he managed to put it on Paul on a on a race where that was important. Yeah. Tire the tire wizard struck again, without a doubt. I think so. I think it had a part to play. I mean, look, you have to drive the thing, and his lap was phenomenal, to be fair. But it just looked like the car was so well hooked up, and normally that's tires. So we got he got him in the window, bang on, I think, and that's probably was what one of the major the major points that got him to Paul. And the very last thing, I just want you and Kevin's opinion on this. Is Max starting to talk a bit much on the team radio? Is he starting to bitch a bit too much? Or are they just playing it more? It's so hard to know. It's so hard to know, isn't it? Because, look, they're, they're, you know, well, as a side note to that, the TV direction was abysmal at the weekend. I thought the race coverage yeah. was just so poor. Showing replays of stuff while live action was happening, showing people yeah. cheering there, while there was still someone side by side, just just atrocious. But uh, but apart from that, you just don't know. So much of it is, you know, like, you don't know. That if he, look, obviously he said it. They can't play something he didn't say. But I, I do wonder if you listen to all the team radio from all the drivers, you probably get a similar amount of, of stuff. Um, 
you know, as I said, someone that came up on Twitter the other day, like you were giving out, but saying you're giving out. But so look, we've all drove down the road and someone does something fairly minor and you shout at them from your, and they no hope they can hear you. Like, so I'll try it at 200 mile an hour between the walls, you know, with hundreds of millions at stake and a world championship. And then people get kind of start dissecting every word they say, like, Jesus, if they put a mic on your car or my car, Richie, around Mandela Park, oh, we'd never Lord, get out of the place. <laughs> you know, no, so I the, think... The point I was trying to make is, like, the whole world loves Max. Max Verstappen. He beat Lewis Hamilton. The whole world loves him. Your and whole world, think, Richie. Your whole in, world. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love Mick Schumacher and I love Ferrari. But in the first two races, I think... Like, has he come across, or is it the TV making him come across as starting to become a bit of a crybaby? Can I can I say something, Richie, and I'll answer this for you in kind of in a roundabout way as well. Even though he was winning last year, I always had a sense that I really like the fact that someone else was winning. Uh, like, it actually took a young lad I was chatting to, and I'll name who it is. I'll give him a shout-out. Brian Dyer, young fella. Owen said it to me. Oh, yeah. He goes, lad, yeah. he goes, I actually kind of wouldn't be a big fan of either of them as uh, as personalities. And I would actually think, I'll make a, a, a point here now, which in time will prove to be correct, I guarantee it. He would become unlikable. A very unlikable person, I think. Because it's just he's fresh now and he's into it and all. But I just think in time, people are actually going to hate him. I just get that feeling. It's exposure too, though. It's exposure too. Like, I, I don't know, man. Most people but I this, meet, this I like, but point, after a while, I don't the like... the point I'm trying to get across is, is obviously, both your opinions. To me, especially Sunday gone, I was like, Max, will you fuck up and just get on with it, will you? <laughs> <laughs> There's you a lot know, of things going like, on, in fairness. Like, I, it, you just don't know. It's, see, it's, it's, in, it's comparison. That's what it is. You don't know. Like, if you could hear all of the radio of all of the drivers, you could make a fair comparison between them. But I think it, there's, it's obviously more selective like that. And I think, Kev, to your point, I think you're right. I think, look, the more you're exposed to people, the more you find flaws with them, you know? So, yeah. like, you know, that's generally, even in everyday walk of life, you bump into someone and you're like, oh, geez, he's grand. And then you spend a day with him and you go, he's a <laughs> You know, you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> that's what happens. You know, it's funny because it's true. Like, that's what happens. Within a couple of minutes, you go, oh, by the end of the weekend, you're like, oh, get me away from this land. And yeah. then, you know, and and the world's camera and light has been on Hamilton now for so long. And you, go, you look back, like, I'm old enough to remember Senna and that. Like, and no one liked Senna when he was around. Like, this, the, you know, there was it was a big, it was a big, um, you know, it, it was a big kind of, thing to not like him like you know when nobody likes Senna and then nobody really likes Sh- well Richie Carney aside but nobody <laughs> liked Sh- Schumacher during the time you know there was no I say no I don't mean you know it was that was the general consensus like then it was Hamilton then sure Vettel everybody hated Vettel with his what, finger wave and number one and now sure everybody loves Vettel and it, I think it's just part of the you know it's part of the cycle and you put enough focus on one guy because he's winning um, and everybody just starts picking holes in them left, right, and center. Like, and you know, I wouldn't read too much into it. They're, I'd get, guarantee, like, at the end of the day, they're out driving Formula One cars, multimillionaires in their 20s. They're not fully rounded human beings. Like, mm. how could they be? Not, not one bit streetwise, like, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, how could they be? You know, it's, it's, it's all compare them to yourself or your someone else or your own kind of set of 
you know, conditions or standards. But you know what I mean? Your own kind of opinion on it. Like, you may as well be comparing a, a, a dog to a cat. Like, you know, they're, they're in a whole other world and, 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 and stress levels and everything else that only, you know, people can't. Or, or a rabbit to a fox either. A rabbit to a fox. Yeah, they're the they're, they're worst type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably have more in common between a rabbit and a fox and us than Formula One drivers. That's for sure. What was the yeah. film of headline, Barry, when you won the Leinster Trophy? The rabbit fox? Oh, no, there was a few of them. What was it? There was one, one of them got about five animal names into it. I think it was uh, <laughs> motorsport.ie. What was it? Because uh, I wasn't expected to win the race and it was West. What was it? Uh, rabbit ra- rabbit throws, rabbit, what the hell was it? Rabbit throws cat amongst the pigeons to <laughs> win. So I don't know. There was, there was a, oh, few, there was a few animals thrown into it. Yeah. Under, underdog rabbit throws cat amongst the pigeons or something like that. <laughs> Or something along that lines, anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So Kevin, I take it we're finishing up, and just before we finish up, Barry was being very modest about himself in the beginning. This guy, <laughs> this guy has won in everything he's sat in. It, he's just one of the most phenomenal drivers this country has, and you know <laughs> he he was being very modest to himself in the beginning. He's an exceptional talent. I've I've had the look to race with him, race again him. We start to try avoid each other now because <laughs> we want to stay friends. Um, but no, Barry well, Rabbit is Barry Rabbit is one of the best drivers this country has to offer. I can guarantee you that. Well, thank you, Richie. Thank you very much. It's well appreciated, and it's uh, completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and and whatever the metric, he's uh, Richie's right up there too. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But look, we've had a lot of crack over the years, which is the more important thing. Um, yeah. and you know, as Richie said, we've been racing against each other for a long, long time, and we're, we're still best of mates. So that's that's more important than any trophy in the cabinet, no matter what way you take it. You know, friendships you make outside. Here, here, friend. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, just a quick reminder before we finish up that, of course, uh, you can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all good po- uh, podcast platforms, some bang average ones as well. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you can, of course, subscribe for free on Apple and on Spotify, as we're saying. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. As I said, on Apple and Spotify, hit those five stars, help get us up the rankings. We didn't have a sponsor for tonight's show, but we do have a Buy Me A Coffee link. It's not compulsory, but if you like what we're doing, you can support us for the price of a coffee. Uh, Barry Rabbit and Richard Carney thanks a million really appreciate your time a pleasure to chat to you on the Irish F1 show until next time take care thanks lads thank you